the Slaughter and May podcast. Welcome to the third and final instalment in the Slaughter and May podcast series, where we're discussing investigations and enforcement outlook for 2021. I'm Johnny Cotton, co-head of our Global Investigations Group. I'm David Green, a consultant here at Slaughter and May, previously director of the series products. I'm Holly Ware, a partner in the Disputes and Investigations Group, and part of my practice includes white-collar defence work. Thank you both. Um, so David, Holly, uh, there's been quite a lot of speculation in the legal press regarding the serious fraud office's activity, or lack thereof, and uh, its impact on the UK corporate crime bar. Can you talk about your insights and what you think this means for corporates? From my perspective, at least, last month, the SFO announced the closure of a long-running investigation where I'd been defending British American Tobacco. And I've noticed there haven't seemed to be, at least, many new cases announced. So maybe they are closing more investigations than they're opening. Holly, what do you think? Well, we do know that their work is continuing. In 2020, there were three deferred prosecution agreements, including the Airbus one, which was the SFO's biggest DPA yet. And at the moment, we're advising on four open investigations, two of which um, are quite long running, another for a senior executive and one for a corporate. So there's still work going on. But you're right, in 2020, the SFO closed three known investigations into what is now Watchstone PLC, ABB Limited, and De La Rue, and it's only opened one um, in the last year that's been announced. Of course, there may well be investigations the SFO's undertaking which aren't uh, publicly announced. I think we should bear in mind that there's uh, there's no obligation on the SFO to keep the white-collar sector fed, and inevitably not all investigations will result in charges or prosecutions. So the closing of several investigations does not, in my view, represent any kind of trend. On top of that, uh, I think we have to bear in mind the problems that COVID has posed, particularly in relation to searches and interviews. The SFO website shows some 42 open investigations. Now, of those, 26 began before April 2018. Uh, Now, the number of announced investigations is not definitive. As Holly has said, there will be projects under development in the intelligence section and also investigations which remain covert for the moment uh, in accordance with the SFO's published policy in this area, which can easily be seen on the website. So it sounds like we shouldn't be searching too hard to find any trends from these numbers or to draw conclusions from what's in the public domain. Uh, Lisa Rozovsky did say when she took over in 2018 that she would be closely examining the long-running cases at the SFO with a view to retaining those that proved viable. So it's hard to say quite what the purpose of the exercise at the moment is, um, whether they're clearing the decks for a new and different caseload or whether they're focusing resources. I I think it's probably more, more accurate to talk about priorities rather than trends in the SFO's workload. The current director has begun, for instance, two investigations relating to large-scale investment fraud, both of which have uh, multiple victims. Uh, There's the London Capital and Finance, started in March of 2019, and the Pinnacle Angel Gate North Point and Chinatown investigation started in January 2019. 
I think the real driver behind the opening of investigations is frankly events or what turns up. For example, if you look back at Patisserie Holdings uh, begun in October 2018 and historically further back into LIBOR and Barclays. So I think you know, what we can say is that either there's no new activity happening or, or low levels of it, but it's just not in the public domain, or it is happening and the SFO isn't telling the world at large. Uh, certainly, I would be surprised if there were new but unannounced investigations of, of PLCs because of market announcement requirements and market announcement practice, meaning that the likelihood is that they would have been announced. I do also think that there is a real point in David's what turns up analysis the SFO is in control of its workload. It can only take cases that, that come across its desk. So if we turn, David and Holly, to look at the, the, the corporate criminal liability regime more broadly, do you think there are going to be any changes in 2021? I think it's pretty much certain there'll be no change in the regime uh, this year. Uh, looking back, successive SFO directors have been arguing the case for an expansion of the ambit of the offence in Section 7 of the Bribery Act, and they've been doing that since before 2012. Uh, the current position is that there is support for such an amendment among really pockets of MPs of all the major parties. There's also said to be strong opposition from within the Treasury and Bayes. In the context, of course, of the post-COVID economic position, it is surely unlikely that many MPs would want to add to the burdens borne by recovering businesses. Uh, recently, the Financial Services Bill was debated in Parliament on the 13th of January, and Dame Margaret Hodge, who is chair of the influential all-party parliamentary group on anti-corruption and responsible tax, moved an amendment to create new offences. Uh, those were to be of a an FCA-regulated body failing to prevent fraud, tax evasion and proceeds of crime offences, and uh, another offence of a financial services company failing to take all reasonable steps to prevent such offences. Interestingly, John Glenn, the Economic Secretary to the Treasury, replied on behalf of the government in that debate, and he said that the results of the 2017 call for evidence had been inconclusive. I don't think everybody would recognise that description, but that's what he said, uh, and that stronger evidence was needed on the issue before any change could be contemplated, and that therefore the proposed amendment uh, would operate unfairly for small businesses. Uh, also in that debate, uh, Sir Bob Neill, who's chair of the Justice Committee, added that it would be wrong to preempt the recommendations of the Law Commission due before the end of this year. So overall, it would seem the possibility of legal change appears to have lost priority and momentum in the current context. Holly, have you got any views on this? There are a few other developments to note. Uh, looking at the SFO's ability to investigate criminal activity, the Supreme Court earlier this month issued its decision in the KBR case concerning the ability of the SFO to issue notices under Section 2 to foreign companies, in that case KBR Inc., in respect of documents located abroad. And what the Supreme Court did was look at the language, the purpose and the history of the Act. Uh, and as a result, it held that the SFO's investigative powers under Section 2 do not apply extraterritorially. 
The legal press has characterised this as a bit of a blow to the SFO, although in practice, I'm not sure it's going to have a significant impact on the day-to-day running of the SFO's investigations. The SFO can still obtain documents held by a UK company overseas, uh, and it still has tools to obtain documents internationally. Uh, For documents located in the US, the SFO has the Crime Overseas Production Orders Act, and that should make it easier for it to obtain documents in relation to certain kinds of investigations going forward. The bigger blow for the SFO, I think, is in relation to documents located in Europe, where before Brexit, the SFO would have been able to use EIOs, but after Brexit, it's having to revert to the more cumbersome MLA methods. Other matters to keep a bit of an eye on this year will be the cases against the individuals involved in the Serco and G4S deferred prosecution agreements, and whether executives involved in the Airbus misconduct will uh, be charged by the SFO. We haven't yet seen an instance where a company entered into a DPA and its executives are subsequently charged and convicted. Um, For example, the executives in in Sarclad and Tesco uh, were acquitted. How this area develops may lend further weight to Zofsky's case for reform of the law, but as David says, that might not be enough to overcome the lack of political appetite at the moment. I, I think the current director seems to have developed a more flexible and pragmatic approach to DPAs. Uh, The G4S DPA is a good example. That, uh, I would say, lowered the bar in that a DPA was sought in that case for a company whose cooperation had been poor at first, but had improved later. Of course, uh, before the current director, the original line was that no cooperation, no DPA. So for that reason, I say the bar has been somewhat lowered. The more flexible approach adopted is seen as, I think, better for the taxpayer, and it emphasises that uh, DPAs hopefully lock in better corporate conduct in future. It'll also be interesting to watch the SFO's prosecution in the GPT case. Uh, Now there it charged the company and three individuals with uh, corruption offences under the old bribery laws, not the Bribery Act. Uh, They were charged last year after a Shawcross exercise across government, but we're not expecting to see a trial until next year at the earliest. The reason for interest in that case is that it's a long-running investigation with considerable political context to it because it concerns military supply contracts with the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Thanks both. Um, I think I might add as well that I think one thing that I've seen increasingly, which I think will carry on into 2021, is is activity by the, the National Crime Agency, the NCA, impacting on corporates. We're coming across more frequently account freezing orders where we're being asked to advise companies on what they are and how to handle them and what the impact is on a business who finds itself caught up in a case where an account freezing order has been issued. There's also the um, more activity around unexplained wealth orders, which, again, sometimes touch on corporates. So um, I think there is an increased likelihood as well that not only the SFO, but the NCA will, will start to, to be seen by corporates. So to conclude the session, I wonder if you both might give a few thoughts on the impact of Brexit um, and other likely international developments this coming year. I touched on this earlier, but Brexit will have an impact on UK authorities' relationships with their counterparts in Europe, with European investigation orders no longer available to domestic law enforcement. 
I think using the older forms of document compulsion will likely have an impact on the speed of investigations, which might prove frustrating. Uh, it will also be interesting to see how the SFO works with its European counterparts in the future. We've seen lots of sharing of investigations with uh, the SFO and the US authorities. We've seen it with the French authorities in the Airbus case. And the SFO has spoken about wanting to expand that kind of cooperation in the future. So we'll see what happens on that front. Yeah, I, I think one could add to that, that uh, just how quickly documentary evidence can be obtained from a foreign jurisdiction by the SFO can also depend on the closeness of the SFO's relationship uh, with prosecuting investigative agencies in that particular jurisdiction. And that, to say the least, can vary. Uh, looking at the US, the election of a new president uh, would normally bring speculation about whether there will be increased uh, enforcement under the FCPA. And traditionally, a democratic president is seen as favouring a more aggressive approach to enforcement. But looking back, enforcement under the Trump administration did not drop as much as had been anticipated. Uh, we've also seen the classic revolving door in operation with significant Biden appointments from the private sector to the DOJ. Thank you both uh, for, your, for your insights. And for those listening, uh, if you've got any questions or would want to chat through the issues we've covered today, please do not hesitate to contact any of us. Uh, many thanks for joining. Uh, and if you haven't yet, do listen to the other podcasts in this series where we've looked at 2021's outlook for uh, GDPR enforcement and data breach, uh, and also enforcement and investigation trends in the financial services sector. Thank you all. For more information on this topic, or to hear our other podcasts, please visit www.slaughterandmay.com. You can also subscribe to the Slaughter and May podcast on iTunes or Google Play.